would grab a Bible and turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4, we're going to be looking in a minute, very briefly, at verses 4 to 6. And we'll pick up there in just a few minutes. But first, let me just say to uh, some of our guests that today will look a bit different than, than usual. Uh, as I mentioned in the uh, members meeting last week, the plan is to close our series this morning on disciples making disciples uh, with a much shorter message on prayer. And then we'll actually spend the rest of our time actually praying together as a church. So there are times in this church body that I, that I love more than others. I love them all, but they're just degrees of the love. And one of them is, is when we get together and, and pray like this. And when we, when we cry out to the Lord for Him to help us, and we'll get to do that for a, a longer than usual period today. Before we get there, though, we need to, to draw this series to a close. We've, uh, to this point, we've, we've been primarily looking at the Gospel of Matthew. We've seen the Son of Man's kingdom and His mission to seek and to save the lost. We've discussed then what our own role looks like in that mission in terms of evangelism. And then we looked at uh, the local church and then our teaching of, of one another. Regularly, All of these things are, are bound up with, with the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. And then last week we discussed what making disciples, or better, what following Jesus is going to actually cost us. And it's going to cost us laying aside our own ways to take up a cross in the path of obedience and love. But we need to be very careful lest we put any confidence in the flesh as we move forward with making disciples. We don't want to repeat Israel's stubbornness and have the Lord come to us with a, with a word of rebuke saying, you stubborn children who carry out a plan but not mine and who make an alliance but not of my spirit that you may add sin upon sin. Rather, we want to trust that not by might, nor by power, but by, my, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Only God can make disciples. He certainly uses us, but only God changes the soul. Only God advances His kingdom on earth. Only God can change us to be the kind of people He has called us to be. Only God can overcome, for example, our, our fear in evangelism. Only God can strengthen us to, to love one another as a church. Only God can make us competent to teach His Word to others. Only God can actually strengthen us to take up our cross daily. And so we're closing our series on disciples making disciples with prayer, depending on God to do this work in us. Throughout the New Testament, prayer stands as one of the central themes in discipleship. As soon as God saves people, we, we see them devoting themselves to, to several things. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and then... It says the prayers in Acts chapter 2. 
central to the church's life was constant dependence on God and prayer. The apostles asked for all kinds of prayer, prayers for healing, prayers for conversion, prayers for wisdom, prayers for boldness, prayers for daily bread. Prayer is even seen as the means, the very means that God ordains to achieve his purposes. God achieves his purposes not apart from prayer, but actually through the prayers that he inspires his people to pray. And so we find prayers for the word of the Lord to speed ahead and be honored among the Gentiles, 2 Thessalonians 3.1, or, or prayers for the church to bear fruit in every good work, says in Colossians 1, or prayers for God to tear down spiritual strongholds so that the, the gospel continues to march on, Ephesians 6. Even the book of Revelation depicts our prayers as being stored up in, in bowls of incense. And when these prayers rise before God, he enacts his purposes on the earth in judgment and in salvation. Today we will participate in this God-ordained means of carrying out his purposes. We will cry out, Father, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We will come together as a family and commune with God in the relationship he initiated with us through Jesus Christ. That's what prayer is, Christian prayer at least. Christian prayer is dependent spiritual communion with God in the relationship he initiated with us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's dependent spiritual communion. And by spiritual, I mean it's animated by the Holy Spirit himself who dwells within us. We'll see that in a minute. Dependent spiritual communion with God in the relationship he initiated with us through his son, Jesus Christ. This is what makes Christian prayer different from the prayer we find in other religions of the world. In and of itself, the act of praying isn't unique to Christianity. Jewish people pray, Muslim people pray, lots of people in religions contrary to Christianity pray. And because God is omnipresent, we, we can even say that he's aware of those prayers, however contrary to, their, to his will they may be. But what's unique to Christian prayer is that it's rooted in the true God initiating a relationship with us through Jesus Christ. It's not a mindless escape from reality. It's not some kind of absorption into divine things through contemplation. It's not a ritual, a, a, war, a work that is forced on us from the outside. You pray five times a day. You face the East with no intimacy or assurance of being heard. Christian prayer grows out of the personal communion that God wins for us at the cross of Christ. According to the Bible storyline, people don't have this kind of access to God naturally. At one point we did. Genesis 1 and 2, originally, people had unhindered access to God. They had unhindered access to his presence and his provision. We were all made for, for communion with our maker and intimate dependence upon him. And, and then Adam rebelled and the entire human race with him then 
fell into sin and out of fellowship with God. And so we were born into the world dead in sin and we're naturally then God's enemies. We prefer self-rule and we prefer self-sufficiency. These two things. Self-rule and self-sufficiency is what we like. And God hates it. God hates our self-rule and self-sufficiency because it doesn't honor Him for who He really is as the all-sufficient provider. And it doesn't admit how needy we really are as wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked sinners. And unless anything changes in this relationship between us and God, we will, as 2 Thessalonians says, suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. But God, because He is rich in mercy, He sends His only Son, this Son who alone knows perfect communion with the Father. He sends this Son to become a man, to live the life we should have been living, a life of constant dependence on the Father, a life of constant obedience to the Father. And with that dependent obedience to the Father, Jesus Christ becomes the perfect sacrifice we need to take away our punishment and then reconcile us again to God. Jesus does this on the cross. And then three days later, Jesus rises from the dead that we might have as Hebrews 4 says and 12 says, ongoing access to the throne of grace. And then he ascended into heaven to give us the Holy Spirit that we might desire to pray. Galatians 4. Know how to pray. Romans 8. And then conform our lives to God's will when we pray. Colossians 1. One great example of God initiating a relationship with us through Jesus Christ so that we then enjoy communion with Him in prayer is the text you turn to, Galatians 4. In verse 4 of Galatians 4, it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. So God's law, it stared us down in some sense because we'd all broken it. It stared us down and it pointed the finger at us and said, guilty. We were under the law's curse because of our sin. And knowing this, God still sent His Son to live under the law, to fulfill all of the law's demands perfectly for you, and then to suffer as your blameless substitute that the curse you deserved might fall on Him instead. This is redemption. This is what it means to redeem us out from under the law. And it's curse. But then read what happens as a result of this redemption. Verse 5. All, all of this happens so that 
we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's prayer. Abba, Father. This is what the Spirit does when God gives him to us. Prayer describes the communication of forgiven and adopted children with their father. Christian prayer is the language of God's blood-bought, spirit-filled children who know that daddy loves them and has promised to help them even when it costs him his own son. It's dependent spiritual communion with God and the relationship that he initiated with us through his son, Jesus Christ. So now, very briefly, if this is the relationship we have with our Father, I want to show you what our Father is like before we pray together. And here's where Matthew 5 to 7 will come in handy if you want to turn there with me. We've been mostly in Matthew the last six weeks and we'll end there today looking at the kind of father we have. Just three little snapshots of our father here. First, Matthew 5, verse 43 to 45. We see there that our father is merciful to sinners. Our father is merciful to sinners. So Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust So people do not deserve for God's sun to shine on them or God's rains to fall on them, but God does it. He does it every day, every day. Every day you see the sun come up. That's what he's doing. That's what he's like. He is merciful to a world of enemies. And it's been that way since he flooded the earth and made a covenant with Noah again. He's patient, merciful to a world of enemies. And so we pray this morning to receive more mercy from God and for God to show mercy to others that we're interacting with. Second, our Father knows what we need. Our Father knows what we need even before we ask Him. This is Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse 7. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for... 
Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. He's saying, because your Father knows what you need before you ask Him, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we've covered a lot of territory the last uh, six weeks on disciples making disciples. And some of you have fears and anxieties, worries, uncertainty about what the future holds for you. Don't know whether you can jump into this or not. Others of you don't know how to take the first step. Others of you hardly want to take these initial steps. But hear this. The Father knows exactly what you need. What you need, even before you ask Him for it this morning. So talk to Him about it. Cry out for help. He knows. And then lastly... The Father rewards those who ask Him with good things. The Father rewards those who ask Him with good things. This is Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who uh, seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. He may not always give us what we want, when we want it, but all that He does give us are good things. So let's not shy away from asking Him now. So these are three snapshots of the kind of Father we have and the kind of Father I want us to, to go before now. And here's what we're going to do. Each, each of you should have a prayer guide that's blue. That's the blue insert. You can pull it out. You're going to get into some clusters of four to six people. And we're going to pray together. Through the, the things listed there in the prayer guide. You could branch off of that prayer guide if you want to. I just wrote out a few things from Scripture to pray in light of the the series we've been going through. And the way you will know, there's going to be some structure to the prayer time, so we'll all be praying through part one, and then we'll all pray through part two, and then we'll all pray through part three, etc. But the way you'll know when when you should transition from part one to part two is, is that several people will be coming up periodically to lead us in prayer. And when they start praying, listen to them for just a few minutes 
And then when they're finished, you join them in praying through that next part. So I'm going to start us off with part one. And then when you hear Roberto start praying, you'll know that's the key to move to part two. And when he finishes praying, you'll spend five to seven minutes praying through part two. And then Jessica will come lead us. And then Joel, uh, not Joel, June will come lead us. If you're not a Christian today, uh, don't shy away from making that known to the, to the people around you. And if you're a member of Redeemer, you might use this time to answer some of their questions about Jesus and then pray for them, ask them of their needs, and then pray for them. Otherwise, let's go ahead and uh, get in our clusters, and I'll start off. And when I stop, start praying through part one. <laughs> 